Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. lot going on or not going on in college sports as we record this. Uh, the ACC and the SEC have said nothing happening between now and the end of the academic year, which, by the way, for the ACC means June 30th. So it's going to be rather quiet on the news front. There, there will still be things coming out and and we at The Athletic, of course, are going to keep covering college football the way we always have. But we're going to have to have some fun, do some different things, and we'll keep the conversation going. Today's going to be a really fun one. We're talking to Matt Berry from ESPN. He's a Sports Center anchor. He also hosts college football studio shows. He's with Jesse Palmer and Joey Galloway. Uh, really fun guy. Arizona State grad. Worked his way up through local news has some anchorman type stories and you know tells us what to do if we get in a battle with a trident because that's always useful information. So we're going to talk to Matt Berry, but first I want to give you a little homework assignment because we are going to be doing some different things and part of what we're going to be doing differently is shamelessly ripping off the formats of other podcasts. So if you've listened to How Did This Get Made?, or the rewatchables from The Ringer, you know that you can have a lot of fun on a podcast just watching a movie and talking about it. Well, there's some really good college football movies, so we're going to start a series this week of college football rewatches. We're going to rewatch some college football movies that are classics. We're going to talk them out with our friends from The Athletic. It is going to be a lot of fun, but it's just a tad small, tiny, tiny, tiny bit of homework from you guys. So this week, we're going with a classic. One of the great college football movies of all time. You know how I feel about walk-ons. We're watching Rudy. Ready, set, hot. After high school, I'm going to play football at Notre Dame. Chasing a stupid dream causes nothing but you and everyone around you heartache. The problem with dreamers is they usually are not doers. Are you fully aware of the sacrifices you're going to have to make? It's the most beautiful campus in the world. Having dreams is what makes life tolerable. Notre Dame is for rich kids, smart kids, great athletes. It's not for us. Ever since I was a kid, I wanted to go to school here. And ever since I was a kid, everybody said it couldn't be done. I always listened to them, believe what they said. I don't want to do that anymore. Hey, kid! Not supposed to be here. Not everyone is meant to go to college. I need your help. Why should I help? I just want to be a part of this university. The nuts. Yeah, a lot of people have been telling me that lately. Sometimes a winner is a dreamer who just won't quit. <laughs> hey, you guys! My son's going to Notre Dame! I'm here to play football for the Irish. I wish 
God would put your heart in some of my players' bodies. You're five feet nothing, a hundred and nothing. You got hardly a speck of athletic ability. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. A true story from the creators of Hoosiers. You ready, champ? I'm ready for this my whole life. That's right. We are watching Rudy. I'm getting together with our guys who've covered Notre Dame. Pete Sampson, longtime Notre Dame beat writer. Matt Fortuna, national writer who has been a Notre Dame beat writer. We're going to separate fact from myth with Rudy. We're going to talk about the time I watched it as a walk-on and wound up in tears. We're going to talk about the things that never would have happened in real life that they had to do to to make it a movie, that stretch it out to two hours. It's going to be a lot of fun because, listen, we all love that movie when it came out. Let's see if we still love it. Let's see how we still feel about it. But right now, let's talk to Matt Berry from ESPN. He's had an incredible career. It's been quite a ride to get to this point. Uh, this recent situation with coronavirus and uh, how it's affected everything. Matt was going to get to call the Clemson spring game this year. He would have been standing on the field with Dabo calling plays probably. So he unfortunately is not going to get to do that, but he's still working quite a bit at ESPN. And he's also got a few ideas about how his network should program during the slowdown. So let's talk to Matt, hear his dream programming schedule, and also hear what we should do if we ever find ourselves in an Anchorman-style local news battle. Here's Matt Berry. We are joined now by ESPN Sports Center host and the host of ESPN's College Football Saturdays, Matt Berry. He has to compete with Jesse Palmer as a dresser. Matt, is that the greatest challenge of your career so far? Andy, let me tell you something. Go going into the season, goal number one, it's like, all right, you're gonna spend four months with handsome Jesse. How do you compete with handsome Jesse? And it's easy. You put Joey Galloway between the two of us to kind of break it up a little bit. And then so he Joe takes the handsome level down. And then yeah, you gotta you know, starting Thursdays, we do Thursday, Friday, Saturdays with each other. So starting Thursday, you gotta have your eye on the prize of uh, of what the bachelor is gonna be wearing. Well, yeah, and, and it amazes me because how do you keep the stubble so maintained if you're Jesse Palmer? Because I, I, I'm a clean, clean-shaven guy. I, can't, I couldn't go on TV with stubble, but he makes it – he pulls it off. You're right. It's an art. I mean, the, the fact that you've got to make it look like you've got the dirty stubble without it, A, getting too short and B, getting too long, all that says to me is that he's got way too much time on his hands to be grooming and he just needs to worry about the clean shave. I'm with you. I shave every day, keep it clean. Uh, the dirty scruff look, I haven't been able to pull off, and nor do I. I don't think they'd let me try to pull it off either. Well, you you don't have much time on your hands. You you've got those duties in the fall, but you're also hosting Sports Center uh, with L. Duncan. And what's it been like the last few days as you know the sports world is kind of ground to a halt? Yeah, you know it's it's. We, we've been talking about it because people who come up to us or, you know, friends or family they, 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 over the past 
72 hours, they'll text or they'll call and they'll be like, well, what are you guys going to talk about? What are you going to talk about? What is there? Sports is shut down. And I'm actually here in Bristol and we're taping this on a Monday morning and we're getting ready to do our noon show today. And I think right now it's just, it's wait and see with, with the legal tampering period in the NFL. Uh, but on a week where, you know, we're used to reacting on selection Sunday, the Monday after, uh, we're used to talking about maybe what happened to the players championship, uh, the league year starting. I mean, there's so many other things that we're accustomed to doing that. I, I just don't know that there's a new normal right now. And I, I, our job is to kind of react when things happen. And Andy, it, it's as cliche as it's ever been to say it's one day at a time. You know, we, you and I, and everybody who covers college football, and we always laugh when coaches and players say that. But this is legitimately a one-day-at-a-time scenario where we just don't know what's going to happen because things are changing minute by minute and hour by hour. When I'm interacting with, with readers and listeners on Twitter, it seems like their whole message is, listen, my escape is gone. Please keep continuing to provide my escape if you can. And I feel like we've, we've got to get a little more – creative because they do want the news of what's going on right now, but they still want to talk about sports and, and feel like that stuff's still going on. And uh, it's interesting because you, you now have a little bit to talk about with the, the NFL league year starting and, and guys getting signed to deals, guys getting franchise tagged, but how much of it is, is trying to figure out, all right, how do we, how do we still talk a little bit about sports? I, I saw you, you had your dream ESPN programming grid that you posted on Twitter and you've got, you've got the final round of the 2019 masters when tiger won. Yep. You've got the, yep. the Vince, Vince young Rose bowl. You've got the Alabama Clemson national title game where Hunter Renfro catches the pass. You've got the 2016 NCAA tourney final with the dueling buzzer beaters between uh, North Carolina and Villanova. That is pretty amazing, but I do love that you wrap it all up with a sports center with Matt Nell. <laughs> Look, that's the dream programming grid. Cause you know, you, what are we all doing? Like, if you're not, if you don't have to go into work, or you're sitting at home and you're with your family and your kids and, and you hit on it. We, I'd like to think that you and I got into this profession because we love sports, but we also understand that sports is an escape ultimately from the reality that we're dealing with on a daily basis. And reality right now isn't great in terms of being able to enjoy the things we love, being outdoors, uh, playing golf, watching golf, uh, the NCAA tournament. Spring ball. I was excited to call the spring, the Clemson spring football game with Herbie and uh, Galloway. That's not happening. There are so many things that we're accustomed to this time of year that we don't have. And so it is all about providing that balance of an escape that we are typically entertained on a daily and nightly basis, even if you're a big NBA fan. And so the new normal right now, Andy, is just kind of sit and wait. And, you know, I'd love to sit back and take an opportunity because we look, we live in a society right now where it's a hundred characters, it's the next thing on your timeline, it's the next news, it's the next story. This might be a good time for us to kind of sit back and reflect and watch a classic game like USC and Texas and just remember how good it was. Or those national championship duels between Alabama and Clemson. This is actually a good time to get caught up on stuff that we may have pushed aside because we're not as busy as we typically are worrying about the next thing maybe sit back and do like a sports cleanse, if you will. This is why I'm smoking a brisket right now. I'm, I'm very on brand. While, while you're talking, I'm, I, I'm checking my, my pit it, temperature and my meat. Like, what's, what's, what's Andy eating? 
Yeah, well, I haven't I haven't smoked one in a brisket in years, so I'm going to screw this one up, I guarantee, and it's probably going to get chopped up into into brisket chili. But I have I have faith that in the next couple hours there will be some beautiful brisket to eat. And listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna self quarantine, do it in style is is the way I feel about it. But I I think you're right about the the cleanse. But I think you guys could have some fun with this. I know we're planning on having some fun with this. But you you guys have that library. And you know you had the the Sklar brothers did the cheap seats in in on ESPN Classic back in the day. You guys could have so much fun with all the old stuff. I I'm waiting for a Mystery Science Theater three thousand on old bad college football games. Like I want the whole SEC Network crew together doing the three two Mississippi State Auburn game from two thousand eight. Just Wouldn't just ripping to shreds. Yes, I want it. I mean, you can get together with, with like, you know, with some of the depths of the Big Ten from a few years ago when you had just some really just not competitive football at the bottom level of that conference or any conference for that matter. Could you imagine us sitting there doing UCLA, Washington State last year? Oh, that'd be tremendous. That second half was unbelievable. Watch TV. It'd be incredible. Yeah, I, I just I, there's so many games that would fall into that, and I, I think you could have a lot of fun if you, you get the right mix of people doing it. Uh, now, is there a classic Arizona State game, your alma mater, that that you'd have to have to show? Yeah, so there there are a couple. Um, I think nineteen nothing in nineteen ninety six against Nebraska uh, with the Jake Plummer team in Tempe. I think that was kind of the tipping point to that remarkable season. Uh, later that year when Jake, they went to the Rose Bowl to play UCLA on uh, another second half comeback. And there was a reverse throwback to Jake where he scored a touchdown uh, that had a comeback. Those two from that year, I, I, I dismissed the Rose Bowl against Ohio State. I was there. And I, anytime it shows up on classic sports, I, just, I still shed a tear. But uh, oh, recently. I, yeah, that, that I, game, I by the way, was one of, one of the many different games that that had to happen for the, the 96 Gators team that I was a walk-on yeah. on to win the national title. That, that Rose Bowl, Michigan-Ohio State, Texas and, and Texas and, and Nebraska in the Big 12 championship, all of that had to happen. So I, that Rose Bowl, little, little you know, nice place in my heart. You know what's funny about that is in, in my, my TV career, going through local TV, uh, before I got to ESPN, I worked in Columbia, South Carolina, uh, the first year Steve Spurrier had the job, uh, so I got to you know I got to watch him build build that program from from the ground up, and I would tell him once he and I got to know each other a little better, I would I would tell him that he owed I you know he owed me a thank you card, and he'd always ask for what what for what I was like for your only national championship in Florida, I mean if it, you know if Arizona State doesn't lose that game against Ohio State they're national champions, you know wait obviously Florida had to go on and beat Florida State in the rematch but it's just funny. Uh, the, the connection with that, with, with Steve Spurrier in Florida, that, that, that Arizona State and that heartbreaking Rose Bowl got, got uh, Spurrier his national championship. But more recently, uh, an ASU game, probably Herm's first year against Arizona. And his first year against Arizona uh, down uh, late in the fourth quarter and, and staging that comeback in Tucson, uh, which I think was the, the, the starting point of the belief that that Herm's got something good going in Tempe. Oh yeah. Now territorial cup gets nasty. It's not egg bowl nasty, but I don't think people understand. This is a very intense rivalry. 
Yeah, it, it, it's one of those, and I'm glad you, you brought that up, Andy, because I don't think nationally it's not going to get the Auburn, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, uh, the Egg Bowl, uh, Florida, Florida State, some of these big, uh, Florida, Georgia, but it's, it's not going to get that kind of attention. But when you look at the history of it and how these two schools just don't like each other, um, it's one of those that if you grew up in it like I did, I'm from Scottsdale, Arizona. I was born and raised in Arizona. My parents had season tickets to ASU growing up. I've always been on the ASU side of it. If you grew up in that rivalry, you knew exactly how much it was hated because for a while it was one-sided uh, to Arizona. Going back in the days, it was Chuck Cecil and Dick Tomey and Desert Swarm and Teddy Bruschi. That was it. Rob Waldrop. I mean, these were some damn good teams. And then ASU kind of had their moment with the Jake era. And so it, 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 it's a rivalry that I think that if people – uh, paid some attention to, they'd understand, like, you know what, this is as good as some of the best ones we see across the country. So you mentioned your your career in local TV, and you, you worked in Columbia, South Carolina. You worked in, in Wisconsin covering the Packers and the Badger, the Badgers. Uh, no you, Badgers. You've been, in, you've been in Dallas. You you came up through local TV at a time yeah. when local TV sports was basically getting murdered. And you had to be so good to, to get airtime to do anything how how did you do that in an era when you know just the the, the industry was changing so much i had to make a uh, a pivot uh when i was so when i one of my first like you said my first job was in wisconsin uh back in oh one oh two and it was barry alvarez and the quarterback Brooks Bollinger and Jim Sorgi, and it was just it was you know this this was a throwback era of Wisconsin football, and then I think in that time local news was still important to some of the people in the smaller markets of Wisconsin because that's how they were getting their news about their local team. And then as my career went on, you're right, I was I was having to, to make the change, but I was in Oklahoma. I was in Oklahoma when Jason White won the Heisman Trophy, and then the year after when Adrian Peterson was a true freshman, and oh by the way, a guy named Les Miles was coached at Oklahoma state. But as, as I started moving to different markets, I remember to get the job in Dallas, the, the tape that I put together, the resume reel that I put together, I understood that it had to be about sports stories that wouldn't just grab the sports fan. I would have to go get the non-sports fan as well. And so you really got good at storytelling because I had to come up with stuff that not only, cause I traveled with the Dallas Cowboys for five years. I saw Gary Patterson built TCU into a Rose Bowl team when the BCS was going on with Andy Dalton. But I had to find stories within covering those teams that I knew that they could run during the four o'clock news, which is geared more towards news viewers and stay at home moms and grandmas and, 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 and dads that weren't working. And so I had to find a way to appeal to those people. And I think that really helped me um, get to a point now here at ESPN where you understand that there is a larger section of the audience other than us diehard college football nerds that that want to have storytelling. And that's the beauty of storytelling, right? And I, I think The Athletic does as, as good a job as anyone. I, I love reading the long form because, to me, it's more about the people that are entrenched in the sport that takes you outside of the X's and O's that really connects you to who and what you're watching on Saturdays. So how, how much did you have to fight to get things on the air? Because you, you talk about storytelling and stories that, that connect with the broader audience. Do you ha- do, would you have to talk, you know, program director and producers into, hey, 
listen, people are going to like this. I, I know you, you've only got, you know, a minute, 27 seconds for this, but I promise people are going to like this. Yeah, what I would try to do, you know, it was our running joke in local news. Oh, they'll take it out of sports. There's, there's breaking news, take it out of sports. Then we reverse the news and be like, oh, there's this, take it out of weather. You know, so yeah, you had to get a, <laughs> Nobody takes it out of weather. <laughs> no, weather guys are the superstars, man. Weather guys are always the grand marshals of the parades. They make all the money. Um, but, we, you know, we, yeah, I would, I would try to, what I would try to do is I would try to come up. I worked with a, a great photographer, Noah Bullard, still a friend of mine to this day. And what we would try to do is we would have a Sunday night sports show, every show in Dallas, fifth market in the country. So each, each affiliate has their, you know, 30 minute sports special on Sunday. And what I would try to do is I would try to at least once a month come up with a story that was going to appeal to the sports and non-sports fans alike that it would run on Sunday night and then the news director would see it and then I could get more airtime with that story throughout the week in the news programs. Because to me, that was a way of saying, all right, you know, you can come up with content that's going to appeal to a, a, a wider range of audience because Andy, I mean, you, you work at the athletic, I work here at ESPN. We know who our viewers and readers are, right? We know why they're coming to us. But in local news, you had to find a way to get the entire viewership. And I think ultimately that made me more prepared and better at my career because you were trying to find stories. Okay, there's a story of a kid uh, who played football who had a rare lung condition. You know who that's going to appeal to? Families. But it's also going to appeal to the football fan. And that's kind of the challenge you had uh, coming up of finding stuff that you can find to a broader audience. So let's let's talk those weather people let's talk meteorologists no, because they, it, they, yeah. they they are they are the rock stars of local news but i've never i've never been around people who are allowed to be wrong so often yet still beloved could you imagine if we were 50 percent wrong every time we put something out imagine that like they get a 50 percent buffer maybe even more like if we said, you know what, what if we just gave wrong scores 50% of the time? And these guys, I'm telling you, they walk into a local diner. It's like, hey, there's Jim, the weather guy. Sit down. Here's your table. So all you gave us a 60% chance of sun. It's like, so wait a second. You also give me a 40% chance of failure. The only sport that's rewarded for being bad 70% of the time is baseball. Yeah, you're bad 70% of the time. You're in the Hall of Fame. So nothing wrong with that. First but out, yeah, it, first it is it, it is, it is truly amazing, though. So ne- never any any anchorman type moments, though, the, where you, you would run into the folks from, from the competing – because Dallas is a cutthroat market. I, I'm trying to imagine – Oh, yeah. Like, if you run into – because if you run into WFAA, do they, do they bring out the nunchucks and the, and the tridents? You know, it's funny because when, when I started in Dallas, I was young for that market. I was 29 years old. And Dallas is a country club market. It's the market of Dale Hansen and all of these other guys that have been at these stations for decade plus. And I was the youngest anchor in that market by years. And so I had, you know, the spikier hair at the time. I was just younger than all of them. And so, man, I got, you know, I'm sure that if you gave uh, them a, 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 a trident or, or some type of weapon, when I walked in, they're like, well, who the hell is this kid? Uh, working in Dallas. I know uh, the guys at uh, the ticket weren't too fond 
of me being in the Dallas market. They would have fun fun at my expense on air. Um, but, yeah, it, it was. It, it was a cutthroat market, but not, most of those guys have grown to become become friends with. Um, the guys at WFA, Joe Trahan, uh, he was in the same position I did uh, when I was in Dallas, so an anchor and reporter, uh, Steve Dennis and those guys at, at the CBS station. It, it became a good group, but at, at the beginning, you're like, who's the kid and why is he here? Well, see, Dale Hansen doesn't need a weapon. He just he would hit you with two minutes of blistering commentary, and you just wither, you'd wilt. Yeah, but that was the thing. Hansen was always the guy that if you wanted story time with Hansen at Cowboys training camp, all you had to do is you would endorse uh, story time with Dale Hansen at the beginning of the training camp. But the exchange, Andy, is he picked up the bar tab. Oh wow! So yeah, so you did it's story time with Dale, tab on Dale, and it's a win for everybody. See, these are the lessons that young journalists need to be learning. This is, this is practical advice for the young journalists. So I'm, right. I'm, glad, I'm glad we could have you on for this, Matt. But now I, you, you mentioned earlier you were scheduled to, to do the, the Clemson spring game. And that is just, I mean, you, you would have been able to be on the field, probably call some plays. So can you make sure that, that Dabo lets you do that maybe in an early season game? So, well, yeah, we, we've been joking around, like, well, not, not joking around, that sounds insensitive at this time, but we've been saying, okay, like, we're losing the spring games. How can we make it up here? What can we do there? And, I mean, you know this better than anybody. I mean, you cover the sports for a living. How much these coaches value their spring practices and their spring games. And that, you know, you can't. They let ESPN personalities every year suit up as officials and officiate games. And it's really a good time to celebrate the sport when the coaches aren't as uh, maniacal with what they're doing um, and to, to not have that opportunity this year, uh, you know, it is a bit of a shame. I know it's for the greater good, but ultimately yeah, if Dabo could let me uh, call a couple of ball plays. Look, I mean, how hard can it be? You've got Trevor Lawrence who's going to be the number one overall pick. Uh, you've got Justin Ross. You've got a remarkable group of skill possessed. Trevor, throw it deep. Boom. Done. Touchdown. Yeah. Uh, it, it, Trevor, Put the ball in Travis Etienne's belly. If there if there's a hole, you let him take it. If not, just throw to Justin in the end zone. Easy. That's that's very okay. easy. I feel like that's Here's a we'll we're gonna run low it, degree of difficulty play call. On first down, and then we're gonna do a play fake and hit him deep. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. Now it may be a little little trickier if you get a, a new quarterback. You're trying to break somebody in, but that's all right because <laughs> you know over the years you will do some other spring games and and you know when you when you get to Indiana maybe when they're when they're breaking in a new quarterback then you'll you'll have your play calling you know mojo by that point. So Clemson's a great uh, place to start. Indiana, it's a great starter. Indiana only if they had Antoine Randall L, then we'd be able to make that happen. Well, you just tell him to run around and do something. That's that's <laughs> the beauty of that. That's I. But see, Antoine Randall L would be a, a fairly standard quarterback right now. We we obviously would be amazed by his athleticism, but I think now he'd fit right in with with a lot of the other quarterbacks. He wouldn't be an outlier anymore. Yeah, Hines Ward at Georgia would have been a thing still. Oh yeah, yeah, he wouldn't have played receiver at Georgia at all. So he he would have stayed at quarterback and probably would have maybe been a quarterback in the NFL. So that but here this is a conversation that we could have. You just gave me a story idea, Matt Barry. The guys who there would you. have stayed at quarterback. Yep. Think about that. You you could do an entire series on 
how the game has evolved to where a lot think about here, here's another one for you. Remember how highly touted of a recruit Russell Shepard was coming out of Houston? He was the top rated quarterback in the country. Can you imagine Russell Shepard in one of these offenses now? Oh, I think he'd have been great. I, yeah, I think there were guys that flamed out quickly because they were forced into that, you know, huddle up, under center, check the set the protections, do all this stuff. I, I think they flamed out quickly because they they couldn't do that early on in their college career, so they just moved to another position where they could produce immediately. But you're right. There's a lot of really good athletes who probably didn't get a chance to play quarterback in college because it just didn't work out their freshman, sophomore year. And now they would have walked right in and, and probably been in the competition right away. That, that's brilliant. We're working I'm on that story so soon. I'm excited to read this series. Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Well, Matt, thank you so much. You're giving me content already. Hopefully you guys will steal my, my Mystery Science Theater 3000 idea. I, I am all on board. I will be rooted to my couch when that comes. So thank you so much, Matt. Here's what I'll do. If, if that happens, if that happens, what I'll do is I'll wear a Staples nameplate on my back so at least Done. people understand that that's my homage to the man who came up with the idea. Love it. And, and L. Duncan has to do it with <laughs> you. And now you, you need to ask her, are, is Georgia going to let Florida in on this whole SEC East title thing, or are they just going to keep keep beating him? I need to Let know. Let me tell you the, one thing: I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna bring up Georgia around Al because I don't want to be barked at for three hours. <laughs> well, and, and she is, she is your typical Georgia fan because they're they're ha- they're happy enough with the success, but it's not good enough. It's not oh, good enough. It better get better oh, now. Right. Yeah. I mean, look. <laughs> I told her, I was like, you got you, you're, you're in a pretty good spot, but just just tap the brakes a little bit on on uh you know it's not good enough to this point because now with with georgia people it's the justin fields thing now but we shouldn't have learned we shouldn't have chased him out look there's an argument to be made there maybe not but it is what it is it's like you're gonna go try out three more five stars you're gonna be fine exactly exactly two five stars on sports center getting taped in about an hour and that is l duncan and you matt berry so thank you so much for joining us and the absolute pleasure. We'll do it again uh, when we can talk some good, just hardcore football. Well, once you've called some plays for Clemson, then then we can really get into it. <laughs> then we'll go down. Then we'll do a mock post game press conference, and I'll just give you all the quotes that you really want an offensive coordinator to say. Well, if it's a Dabo press conference, it'll last about four hours. That'll be good. That'll be a good podcast. <laughs> That's true. That's it. Thank you so much to Matt Berry for coming on. That was a blast. I cannot wait to talk to him again once college football gets going again. This is a, a guy who loves, loves, loves college football. You could hear it in his voice. He's a complete college football nerd. He belongs here on the Andy Staples Show. He's one of us. So we're going to talk to him again once things get going. But remember, we'll be back on Friday. Do your homework. Watch Rudy. Take notes. <laughs> 